Well, this is our uh, annual Thanks Sunday. It's become something of a tradition over the last decade plus, where uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we gather as a church and we get to we get to focus again on Thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for and that's evolved over the years to where it's just been sort of a free for all thank you to where we've tried to bring some instruction and a little bit of uh, uh, the scripture to lead us and guide us. And that is our uh, our practice again today. We're going to have three movements. You've noticed if you might have sat on a card and a pen, uh, but uh, you want to take hold of that card because it's going to be helpful in our liturgy and our movements today. We have those three movements that are pretty clear if you look at them on the card, but we're going to begin each of those movements with a scriptural reading, a reflection, a few minutes, just three or four minutes, and then a time to be able to sit and think and respond thematically around what we're thankful for. And the first one is a, uh, a focus on the work that God has done in me. Lord, thank you for this work you've done in me. And as I read that card this morning, I thought, you know, I might have actually, that might be the wrong wording, because it might be more accurate to say, God, thank you for this work you're doing in me. We talk about getting on the trail and moving toward Christ, which implies a constant, this continual, this ongoing work. Wherever we're moving, as long as we're moving toward Jesus, he's doing this transformative work in me. But you might feel like oh, that, that we're, that's true, but there's also this great work that God has done in me. And when I look at the way I'm thinking today, the values I have today, the way I respond to pressure, the way I respond to threats, the way I encounter my insecurities and deal with them, there's a vast difference between that goings on today and the way that I dealt with those things 10 or 15 or 3 years ago. Because, yes, thank you, God, because he is about transformation. Transformation happens. It really does. Change happens, and change for the good. And I thought of this text in Romans. Listen to this, and then we'll reflect a little bit uh, and let you write something that you feel like you've made some real progress on because of the Lord's power and the Lord's hand, or he's leading you in a good direction. But in Romans 12, there's, in Romans 11, there's this, this great discourse about mercy and about, um, about the grace of God and the work of God and the brilliance of God. And he knows what's going on. We don't, he did, you know, no, no, nobody tells God what to do. He knows what he's doing. And then there's this doxology that also reemphasizes the idea of war, uh, mercy. And then in Romans 12, transformation is introduced, is, is, uh, is mentioned. Therefore, the therefore because of all of this mercy and the brilliance of God, the sovereignty of God, the trustworthiness of God, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So the the way we are living, the way we are acting is actually a form of worship. Every time I choose to show a kindness instead of uh, to be rude or choose to forgive instead of not forgive, it's, it's an act of worship. I'm saying I'm a Jesus person and God is worthy and he has transformed me because trust me, I didn't always used to do that. Even today, sometimes I forget to do that. It's your spiritual service of worship. 
Present your bodies holy and pleasing to God. In other words, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Stop doing it the way we've been inclined to do it in the past, life, and start doing life the way Jesus teaches us to do life, by not being conformed any longer to those patterns. But instead, and here's our word, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, his perfect will. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes when I pray that prayer, I stop and I change it a little bit. You know what? Your will be done in me now as it will be on that day. But here's the point I want you to consider. That little phrase, be transformed, technically could be translated like this. Be being transformed. Don't be being conformed because you walk through life, walking through life, decisions come, opportunities come, and bam, I make a choice. The challenge here is be being transformed by those choices, moment by moment, choice by choice. And there are areas in our lives where we think, man, oh man, that's actually been transformation. I mean, I am so different than the way I was when I started on this journey, when I was back down the trail uh, a little while ago. And God actually changed me, and I didn't think that was possible. I have an example, and then I want, to ex- I want to invite you to take some moment in silence and write down, thank you, God, for this change you have made or are making in me. Here's an example for me. I can reflect on that and say, my goodness, there is a transformation happening where I actually feel like something that I didn't think could ever change has dramatically changed in me, and it's been God changing it. And that has to do with I, this need for attention all the time, this need to be the, be the funniest guy in the room, this need to be uh, recognized the most. I have been through most of my years, even as a Christian, like the, like the firstborn child who just got a new little baby sister. And every time you show affection to the baby sister, that firstborn has to insert him or herself between the two of you. Every time you go to take a picture of the new baby, all of a sudden photobombed by the first child because... That baby, that firstborn child is used to having all the attention and can't stand the possibility that somebody else is more significant than them. And folks, that has been me. And man, have I put my foot in my mouth, even as a pastor, leading with that kind of insecurity. And I look and I think, man, God, you, you really have changed that in me. I didn't change that in me. I worked at it. But thank you so much for the freedom you've given to me to where there's at least less of that in my life. And sometimes when I reflect on it, I think the transformation is wonderful. I'm to the point where not only do I no longer feel like I crave that as often, but I'm actually, he's taking me to a place transforming me in such a way that I'm actually uncomfortable, naturally uncomfortable with it more often than I used to be. Still a struggle, but transformation is happening. What are you saying thank you to God for in terms of the thing he has changed in you or is changing in you? Take a second in silence, write that down, and as you write, pray a prayer of thanks.
Thank you for this work you've done or are doing in me. Now, I can rarely think about the work God is doing in me, and he's got plenty of work to do in me, without thinking about some of the people that he's given me the privilege of knowing. I have this picture of God saying, here, I'm going to bless you by pulling this person into your life, and this person into your life, and here's the person or people I'm going to give to you the experiences. And those, as I reflect on my own history, they include churches that have called me to come and be their pastor, or neighbors that I've had that have changed the way I look at things and view things, the children that I have. Um, God blessed me by giving me a daughter, which opened my eyes to some of the issues that are alive in us today uh, that my eyes weren't open to like they were once I have a daughter. And I realized, wow, she's not, that's not fair the way we treat women. Wow, that's not fair the way I've been looking at and treating women. I've got to change that too. Because he brings people into our lives. Listen to this from the book of Ruth, where Ruth and Naomi are going to start on a journey together, and God is going to give Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, this gift of Ruth, and both of their lives are changed because of it. Naomi has said to her daughters-in-law, my sons have both died, you're free to go home, go take care of yourselves, you have that right, I'm releasing you. At this, they wept again, the daughters-in-law. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people, back to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you. Don't urge me to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go to be with her, she stopped urging her to leave. Now there's a beautiful example of God saying, I'm going to give this person, Naomi, I'm going to give you Ruth. And Ruth is going to love you. She'll never leave you. But he's also saying to Ruth, I'm going to give you Naomi. And both of your lives are going to be blessed and changed because of that. I actually love taking time to think through the people for whom I'm thankful. Gift wrapped by God and then delivered into my life. That helped me to live into that prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven that helped me to experience transformation. And <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> as recently as last night, I looked over at my sleeping wife and was overwhelmed with thanks. Uh, told her, because I, I, I sometimes I can't help hold it in, you know. I said, I don't. And plus she lets me watch football without nagging me about it. But... I said, I don't think 
there's a better wife on the face of the earth right now, and I have my serious doubts about whether history has ever offered forth one. You're just the greatest. And uh, I thank God for her. I'm thankful that God put that woman in my life. What a mercy for me. I don't have to think too long. I often, this isn't just cheese. I mean, I often think when I think about the people that I shake my head and just thank God so much for. I, I, th- I think of Jeff and Ben. I never expected to be put in a context at, in my 60s where I would get the opportunity to grow uh, in such big steps of spiritual growth like I had when I was first a Christian. But because, in part, God put Jeff and Ben and me together, because he brought those guys into my life. By the way, church, through the fact that you all worked to bring us all here, I can say, God, thank you. What, what marvelous gifts these brothers are to me. They love me, they respect me, they're loyal to me, and I them. And we can touch each other's lives. Who are the Ruths and Naomi's? in your life, and you want to say to God, thank you for this person or these persons you've brought to me. The change they've made in your life, the difference they've made. Go ahead and reflect on that and write, just write their names. And as you write each name, just say, thank you, Lord. Well, there's no end to that one once you start writing, huh? Pray that prayer at night. Never go to sleep. The third movement and the final movement that you'll see reflected on our card is God, thank you for this challenge you've weathered with me. Once again, or are weathering with me. This challenge you've weathered with me. Challenges cause things to die in us that should be dead. They also give rise to things in us that should be alive, and we didn't even know were in us in seed form, don't they? They they bring out things that we didn't know were there that are good. They build us. They contribute to transformation. Challenges do that. And God weathers those challenges with us. And right now, for many of us, he is weathering pretty significant challenges with us. This is a longer text, but it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's one of the most famous as well, as David takes on Goliath. David, who shouldn't even be where Goliath is spouting his poison, decides to go and take him on while all the armies of Israel come out, start shouting every morning that they're going to go down and fight him and then retreat in fear every day, the same thing, for over a month. 
So David decides to go down and face Goliath. He's the weakest, least likely option for victory. And so are we sometimes in the challenges, the storms that are coming at us. Listen to this. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of David, or with, in front of him, kept coming closer to David. So they're already down in the battle now. And people on either side, the armies on either side are watching. The Philistines are thinking, pack the lunch. This is going to be over quickly and we win. And he looked David over and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he, he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at, come at me with sticks? In other words, I mean, send a warrior at least so that I can have some ground for boasting after I kill you. Hey, have your challenges been sounding a lot like that lately? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods and He said, come here and I'll give you your flesh. I'll give the flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. This is already over before it starts. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God, the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And the weapon I bring with me is sharper and more penetrating than the weapons you bring with you. And this day the Lord will hand you over to me And I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. That's a good message for us to remember when we're facing the scary trials and challenges that we face. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine, and he killed him. And Goliath was right about one thing. The battle was over rather quickly. And we have battles that feel even more threatening than that in our lives and have had them. Take a moment and think about that. God, thank you for this challenge that you have weathered or are weathering with me. Write it down. And as you write, once again, pray a prayer of thanks. He got you through it or he's in it with you now. In a moment, we're going to enter into a time where we can look at those cards and encourage the rest of the body by sharing some of what we've written there. A few of us are going to get to speak out some of those things that we've written. So I want to encourage you to get ready for that moment that's coming up and let the Lord direct you to something that's 
that's dominant on that card that you've written. And right now we're going to sing another song that gets us prepared for that. The idea that God is with us, that God is for us. Because when we think about his history in our lives and we thank him for those different movements that he's made in our lives, how could we not recognize that this is true? He has been with us transforming us. He has purposely introduced people into our lives that were good for us and them. And he has gone to battle with us. And he wins even through weak options like us. Let's stand together and sing.